Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. In an age of fierce polarization in politics, it seems particularly impossible to change anyone's minds. But history has shown that in politics, sometimes minds do change. Take President Harry Truman, for example. His transformation from segregationist to civil rights advocate was nothing short of astonishing. Truman was born nearly 20 years after the end of the Civil War. He was a farm boy raised in a segregated town in Missouri, which was once pro-slavery. His grandparents had been slave owners. His mother hated President Abraham Lincoln. Truman himself had horribly racist views. In his letters, he would often refer to people of color by derogatory slurs. So when he became president in 1945, after Franklin Roosevelt's death, Southern members of Congress were delighted. They thought he'd be sympathetic to segregationists. They were wrong. The pivotal moment came in the summer of 1946, when a black military officer named R.R. Wright wrote a letter to Truman. Wright informed the president of an attack on a black World War II veteran named Isaac Woodard. Woodard had been pulled off a bus in South Carolina months earlier and was beaten and blinded by the police chief. That letter struck a nerve with Truman. He had a soft spot for soldiers. Kerry Fredrickson, the author of The Dixiecrat Revolt and The End of the Solid South, wrote that from that point on, Truman changed course. In September of that year, Truman met with the National Emergency Committee Against Mob Violence, composed of civil rights, labor, and religious leaders. During the meeting, NAACP Executive Secretary Walter White, who had gone undercover in the South to investigate lynchings, read a list of lynchings that had occurred across the country. Truman was astonished. He exclaimed to everyone nearby, My God, I had no idea it was as terrible as that. We've got to do something. Three months later, on December 5th, 1946, Truman issued an executive order he called Freedom from Fear, which created the President's Committee on Civil Rights. The committee was tasked with analyzing the state of civil rights in the country, investigating mob violence, and proposing legislation to protect civil rights. Then, the next summer, Truman became the first U.S. president to address the NAACP. He knew his family wouldn't approve. He wrote to his sister, quote, Mama won't like what I say because I wind up quoting old Abe, but I believe what I say and I'm hopeful we may implement it. A crowd of more than 3,000 people gathered along the reflecting pool as he spoke from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. Here's what he said. Recent events in the United States and abroad have made us realize that it is more important today than ever before to ensure that all Americans enjoy these rights. When I say all Americans, I mean all Americans. That's right, all Americans. In 1948, 
Truman signed Executive Order 9981. He declared, quote, There shall be equality of treatment and opportunity for all persons in the armed services without regard to race, color, religion, or national origin. That same day, he also signed an executive order to desegregate the federal workforce. How could a president who was raised with such racist beliefs go on to become, according to the Harry S. Truman Library and Museum, the first American president to declare the equality of blacks? Well, at the time, the political climate was changing. Truman was on the receiving end of pressure from black voters and civil rights activists urging the president to address the rise in violence against black people. Truman was a Democrat, and black voters had largely voted Republican until his predecessor, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. But there was also a more personal reason. Truman never graduated from college, and he was an advocate for the underdog. Kurt Graham, the director of the Truman Library and Museum, said, quote, he knew what it was like to come from nowhere. Of course, while Truman was able to change his own mind about race relations in the United States, he wasn't able to change everyone's minds, including his mother. When she visited him at the White House, she told him she'd rather sleep on the floor than sleep in the Lincoln bedroom. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to Deneen Brown for reporting this story for the Washington Post. And for more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.